We also need to consider another possible component of this equation. Watch this. Throughout history, there have been and are yet seasons when true believers, born again, spirit-filled Jesus chasers, are separated and hindered from coming together for corporate worship. Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We began a teaching last week and we're going to try to conclude it today. It's one we've titled Christians Without Church. And we'll make this bold statement. There have been periods of time down through history where the assembly of the church has been interrupted. Well, then what? What do you do then? You know, we preachers all the time encouraging folks to come out and be a part of the church worship celebration. What about when that's interrupted and some outside force prevents the church from doing that which we've been commanded to do? Well, then what? We're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to read one verse in your hearing. This is not actually our text passage, but we're going to get to it here in just a moment. In fact, we're going to be looking at a ton of scripture in this particular teaching so i encourage you to keep your bibles handy go with me right now to acts chapter 8 and we're going to spend a lot of time in acts but acts chapter 8 and verse number one this is one of my favorite passages in all of the bible in particular in the book of action and here's what it says again acts chapter 8 verse number one and saul was there giving approval to his death on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. You see what's going on? And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. A great persecution broke out and a scattering resulted. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for each one that's turned us on, tuned this in, and I pray in Jesus' name that by your word you would speak to our hearts and put courage into us to be about your business, whether we are together or whether we're scattered, that we might be about your business. I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. that is in a true relationship with Jesus Christ. They've been born again, spirit-filled, and chasing after the things of God. What about church? We hear a lot of things called church. Many different things used in a variety of contexts. So many refer to this edifice as the church. The church building. I understand how easy it is to do that. Then there are ministry center campuses 
Back uh, earlier in the year, I was privileged. You guys made it possible for me to go to Orlando the ex- to the Exponential Conference. It was held in conjunction with the Eastern Region Pastors Conference, and it was at First Baptist Church in Orlando. You literally had to have a map to get around that campus to try to figure out which one of those humongous buildings. This was like the outhouse building. But they had buildings all over creation down there, and it would be referred to as the church. Certainly doesn't look like this, but it's still nonetheless referred to as the church. Then sometimes people refer to groups of religious persons as the church. And watch this. This is a bit of a stretch, but I think it applies here. Some would crassly label certain interest groups as a church. Can you give me an example, Pastor T? I can like golfers and the course and the entire game. For many, it's their church because this certain group is so religious or fanatical about the game of golf. For other, perhaps sports fans, the stadium is referred to as their church, their gathering place. And I could go on and on and on. And then we come to that which you've heard taught here time and time again. And I believe it's right and true and captures the very essence of what it means to be the church. Beloved, the church is the body of Christ. Watch this. Not just the body of Christ, but the body of Christ assembled. That word ecclesia in the original means the called out ones. You call people out from where they are to somewhere else. It's the body of Christ assembled. Born again persons, absolutely. Spirit filled persons, absolutely. But assembled. Fill in number four with me on your study notes. Get your pen out slowly. I'm dry again. Never is the church more of the church than when it assembles together for corporate worship. Oh, I would to God. Probably if I could pray one prayer. If I could open up my heart and let you see this pastor's heart. This is one thing that I could say to you. One thing that I would hope that you would get. Listen. I preach on this so much because I am convinced, and I'm going to show you why very shortly, I am convinced that God mandated this time. I didn't wake up one morning after October 27, 1957 in Satspahal, North Carolina and say, hey, James and Ann, you know, I got a great idea. Why don't a bunch of us get together and start reading the Bible and praying and preaching and singing and doing all that stuff? This is God's idea. God mandated this. God mandated this. So such assembly, watch this, will receive and manifest the blessing and the power of God. Some of you are not convinced of that yet. Because you're convinced that if you say amen to that, then there's going to be some expectations of you that that we don't have of you right now. God mandated this. Listen, beloved, and I'm talking about a manifestation of God's power and presence unlike anything that you're likely to experience on the links. Or uh, if you want to look at a local stadium, the Martinsville Speedway, even on their best day. Doesn't compare to what happens here in the spiritual realm. Are you with me, church? 
me take you on a little detour. I'm going to Acts. I've got about 75 verses. You follow along with me. They're all in Acts. Go to Acts chapter 1. You shouldn't be too far from there if you're at our text passage. And I'm going to go right by our text passage. I want you to look at this. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. See if you can pick out a theme here. On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command. What did he give them? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. It's inferred you wait together for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Indeed, they had. Look at verse 13. When they, how many of you know they is a gob? It didn't just, it doesn't say when he, but when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. If you read the record, you'll find out it's about 120 people. It's a relatively large gathering, uh, in particular for this area of the country. Go to chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. In spirit? No. It says they were all together. Where? In one place. Does it say that? Look at verse 14 of chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem. There was a mess of them. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Look at verse 46. The latter part of, or actually the first part of verse 46, chapter 2. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Chapter 3, verse 1, just backs up what he just said. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. This is a gathering for a time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon. Now, they got themselves in a heap of trouble over there. It's a great story. But look at verse 23. On their release, it's chapter 4, verse 23, by the way. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had to say to them. When they heard this, that group of people, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Are you still with me? Look at our text passage, chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Where did they do this? Among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's Colonnade. More about that in just a moment. I'm looking forward to telling you about that colonnade. Chapter 6, verse 2 of Acts. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. You see a theme there? There's a command. They come together. The book of Acts. The book that shows us how to do it. The book where the precedents are established. But here's something else I want you to understand. Keep that on the back burner. We also need to consider another possible component of this equation. Watch this. Throughout history, there have been and are yet seasons when true believers born again Spirit-filled Jesus chasers are separated and hindered from coming together for corporate worship. Watch this. 
I'm not talking about choosing another direction. Okay, family, do we go to church today, or do we go to the beach today, or do we go to the mountains today? Anybody for church? <laughs> what about the beach? Yay, the beach. I'm not talking about a choice here. I want you to understand that. I'm talking about some outside force violating one's choice and preventing what would otherwise, uh, what they would otherwise will to do. The deepest resolve is ecclesia, and, and it is thwarted. That's what I'm talking about. Does it totally make sense to you? That if God purposed for us to come together, then Satan, God's enemy, would purpose to throw a monkey wrench into it. Are you with me? Is this getting too deep for you? Listen to me, saints. You are going to have to fight and struggle for corporate worship. All the days of your life. There will always, write this on your notes somewhere, there will always be alternative, uh, I wanted to say contention, that's not the word I'm looking for, competition. Always alternative competition to the coming together. Corporate worship. Because Satan knows that's where the power is. Watch this. He knows it better than many Christians do. Okay? Look at Acts chapter 8 verse 1. This backs up what I'm trying to say to you right here. And Saul was there. His name was later changed to Paul. Saul was there, giving approval to his death, that is Stephen. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem... And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Uh-oh, Pastor T. Now what? You understand that the assembly was interrupted here? Fill this in with me, number five, on your notes. And I'm going to have to speed this up just a little bit. Watch this. Beloved, coming together is what we do. Amen? But that's not all we do. It's not all we do. Let me ask you this. Do you know why we come together? Because Pastor Terry would have a hissy fit if we didn't. No. That's, that's just part of it. Here's, here's why I would probably do that. Go to Hebrews 10.25. You know the passage. It's on the screen here. Look at this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You wonder why he wrote that? Look at this. But let us encourage one another. Why is this time important? Why do we come together? Why do we have the assembly? Part of it is so that we can encourage one another. You know, where you're the, whether you're the preacher or people sitting out there on those padded chairs, I want to suggest to you, and I'm waiting on a big old amen right here, there is something encouraging about showing up for church on Sunday morning. And, and the ushers come up and say, we we got to have some more chairs. Amen. We're out of chairs. Man, where would all the peoples come from? Is that exciting? Amen. 
Well, it's a whole lot more exciting when you've got a lot of green chairs and nobody in them. Amen? Somebody might get my seat. By the way, just like to remind you every now and then, you don't have a seat here. <laughs> if we think you've claimed one, we'll move it. <laughs> okay. We come together to encourage one another. What promotes such encouragement? Let me give you a little bullet list of some things. It'll look like I'm just going to gloss over these. But this is important. You'll probably want to write this down. I'll tell you what promotes encouragement. Prayer. Oh, how many of you were in the prayer room this morning? Yeah, I know it's about six of us. Man, I don't know of anything in the world that lights a fire under a preacher more than a bunch of people getting together and praying. Oh, my goodness. That, it encourages me. Sister, uh, Sister Reva Harris is just... You don't hear much out of her because Harley's always talking, so she's just listening. But when Reva prays, man, it's like E.F. Hutton. People just stop, and it's just some power in it. It's encouraging. Amen? Amen? Prayer. What about Scripture? Are you encouraged when you hear the Scriptures? When you hear them read? What about preaching, for goodness sakes? You know, I know I'm a preacher, but I'm telling you, there is nothing in this wide world that's... That, Lights my fuse any more than seeing somebody perhaps stumble up to the pulpit and they barely can read their texts and they're mispronouncing words and they start preaching and in a few minutes a spirit gets a hold of them and stuff starts coming out of them. You're like, where in the world did that come from? I know where it come from. And it encourages me. It come from the throne of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's preaching. Not the teaching that I'm doing today. What about worship? Worship. Oh my goodness. When you turn your eyes toward heaven and get them off of somebody sat in your seat today or what sister so I can't believe she wore that today or blah. Oh, when you get your eyes on God and really begin to worship and realize that you are a sinner that's been saved by grace and you begin to focus on that. Woo, that put courage, courage into you. Puts courage into me. What about the singing? Man, alive, we had some good singing this morning. There's one or two times I thought I heard some harmony. <laughs> one or two times. It's wonderful, kid. It was great. I love the singing. What about the instruction for the sending? Does that put courage into you? Here's what I hope and pray. When you come into this place and you hear this preaching, that, that you get a plan, that God starts dealing with your heart. And you think about that lost friend, that lost neighbor, that lost family member. It might be somebody you live with, but you've got a plan and you're encouraged to take this good news, gospel message to them. So you leave with a plan, not just a plan to go here and go there, but a plan to do God's work. This is instruction. This is why this is so important. It's not just coming together so we can count noses for crying out loud. In fact, did you know we don't count here? Did you know that? I didn't say you didn't count. I said we don't count. Either you're here or you're not. We don't put little numbers on a board somewhere or another. Y'all don't count? You mean if I wasn't here, it wouldn't matter? Oh, Trust me, some of us count, but enough of that. 
What do we do then, preacher, when we're hindered from coming together for these times of encouragement? Does that mean we're no longer believers? Certainly not. Pastor, what about the ministry? Uh, since March until almost September now, things have been shut down. What about the ministry? Is it stymied when the assembly is hindered or interrupted? Here's what we need to know. We have to make the necessary distinction between attending an assembly for corporate praise and worship and instruction and strategy. We have to make the distinction between that and ministry. Watch this. I'm headed to number six on your notes. Beloved, this assembly, you in-person people that I'm looking at right now, this isn't necessarily ministry. Watch. It's ministry for me. This is what I do. This is my calling. You're seeing my gifts in action this morning. Not my good gifts that God gave me. This is my ministry. How many of you know there's some folks working in the nursery this morning? That's ministry. There's some people working with our children this morning. KFC, that's ministry. Our ushers were here early doing things this morning to welcome you in. Some people just don't even know about that sort of thing. Our CNC leaders, that's ministry. Our elders, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day of the week they are doing ministry here what about our youth pasta does she do some work here ministry here Woo! glory to God and then I could talk if I left you out I'm sorry but my point is this is number six beloved the majority of you right now you aren't ministering here this morning but rather you're being ministered to it's sad but that's the way a lot of people choose the church nowadays I'm going to visit around until I find one that meets my needs. Well, how cool would it be if people would get before God and say, Lord, I'm looking for a, a church body to come together corp corporately. Lord, show me which one of them needs me to help meet their needs. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Luke 10, 2 says this, He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, ask Him, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Can you imagine if we would change our petty little bless me prayers to this prayer just what might happen instead of Lord bless me give me this give me that if we say Lord send me Lord help me forget my little self-centered world and send me can you imagine what a difference that would make oh hallelujah let me say this and, and I'm about to introduce my closing in America, for the past several decades, more and more ministries are facilitated at or within facilities alike this one. How many of you know that it's easier to host a youth awakening here, easier to host marriage encounter here, easier even to tape an outreach television program here, easier to do uh, live stream here, easier.
Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. And I want to do so by asking you this, or reiterating this to you. Is there ministry beyond the assembly of the church? Now, over the last several months, many of us, and I'm sure many of you, have been challenged with regards to the way we do Christianity, the way we do church. You see, it's just become a convenience for us in this modern age for a lot of ministry to be facilitated within the facilities. But what about uh, when those facilities are, and that whole ministry deal is interrupted, then what? Here's the question I want to put before you. As we're scattered here in Yon as members of the body of Christ, are we continuing to live like Christ? Are we continuing to be the body of Christ even beyond the assembly. There's some good things that's going to come out of all the shutdowns and all the interruptions that this dreaded so-called pandemic, COVID, has caused even among the body of Christ. And one of the things is, as we are scattered by this form of persecution, our faith is really tested, put to the test, and tried, and hopefully we're going to come through the fire better than we were when we went into the fire. All of the dross is going to be, all the trash is going to be burned away, and the real deal is going to be left over. I want to encourage you, those of you that are forever uh, part of the forever family of God, you are Jesus chasers. I want to encourage you, in the absence of the assembly, to continue to read and study the Bible, the Word of God, to know it, to heed it, read it and heed it, and uh, to assimilate it into your life and live it out as you go forth out into the community. Keep in mind that uh, the body of Christ is so much bigger than you as an individual. You're still part of a movement, even though we may not be coming together as frequently as we were we're still part of a movement and still called to be about the business of God. I trust that you will be about that business. Father, I pray for each one listening in. I pray for those who are discouraged, those who seem to be just kind of down and out and depressed and oppressed about not being able to be together uh, as a body of Christ as we have been normally. I pray that you put courage into them to read the Word and to continue to live out their Christian experience day by day, moment by moment. And Lord, give us opportunities to come back together as the body in your time, according to your plan and your purpose. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And beloved, before I get off of here tonight, I do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities, and we are currently meeting in person. We're trying to be as safe as we possibly can but uh, still trying to meet in person. Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, we also have some midweek activities Wednesday night, uh, which involves, with the adults, involves some small group meetings, which we've been doing for, goodness, over 20 years now. Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. It's a great time, some great ministry taking place here for our children and our youth, and uh, we'd love to see you. We'd encourage you, and I offer this uh, these um, announcements as an invitation for you to come out and be a part of what's taking place here. Address is located there on the uh, screen. Contact information is located on the screen. We encourage you to take a look at our website. There's some uh, very helpful information there. Uh, these programs are there. You can uh, listen to them over and over and over again and glean from this teaching. Well, I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. Trust you're going to have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you?